Welcome to National Parks Traveler, where we explore the national parks and the issues that involve them. Across the national park system, national parks fortunate enough to have friends groups helping them out have been leaning a little bit harder on those nonprofit organizations than in the past. In some cases, a lot harder, as federal funding has not kept up with the increase in park units or the costs of maintaining and operating those parks. This is Kurt Repencheck, your host at the National Parks Traveler. It seems the National Park Service can never get ahead of the costs of operating the park system. That's where National Park Friends organizations come into play. They raise charitable dollars to help cover the costs of programs and initiatives that the parks wouldn't otherwise be able to afford. The Blue Ridge Parkway Foundation has been doing this kind of work for 25 years. Today, we're going to take a look back at the Foundation's many successes with Jordan Calloway, the Foundation's Chief Development Officer. We'll be back with Jordan after a short break. An attitude of gratitude can improve the way you manage your money. Enroll in Credit Score for free with Interior Federal Credit Union's digital banking and get started. Staying on top of your credit has never been easier. Join today to experience the benefits for yourself. Membership is required. Interior Federal Credit Union. Federally insured by NCUA. Full of stunning photography and thought-provoking reads, Smokey's Life is a biannual magazine produced by Great Smoky Mountains Association. Members receive it free of charge each spring and fall, and it is available for purchase in retail stores throughout Great Smoky Mountains National Park and online at smokiesinformation.org. The Everglades Foundation, the only organization whose sole mission is to restore and protect America's Everglades. Learn more at evergladesfoundation.org. Hi, Jordan. Welcome to The Traveler. Thanks so much for having me. Hey, it's great. And I guess a happy birthday to the foundation. 25 years. Wow, that's pretty impressive. It's very exciting. You've come a long way. Um, the, the foundation, um, can you take us back 25 years? I know you haven't been there for the whole 25 years, but can you take us back 25 years ago to the impetus that, that got the foundation started? It's really hard to believe that we've come so far in 25 years. I personally have certainly been with the Parkway for 25 years. I've enjoyed it my entire life. But our organization started whenever Gary Everhart came to the gentleman that started our organization and said, hey, I need your help. I need folks like you that care about the Parkway and can help raise funds to help make up the gap that we have in our deficits the gap in programming. We just, we don't have enough money. We need the support. And this was at a time when they had a secondary group that was also helping them and they didn't have that group at that time. So Gary Everhart came to um, Hal Medford, who was the founder of our organization here in North sure. Carolina and asked him to found uh, this group. And we were founded in 1997. Uh, one of the very first projects that we had was on the Cone Estate, which was our most recent largest project. So we really have come full circle in this 25 years. Yeah, Moses Cone, uh, Flat Top Manor, um, just a incredible, huge project that um, turned out beautiful for those who have uh, seen the photographs of the before and after, and, and certainly those who've had the, uh, the privilege to, to tour the manor after the work was completed. Yes, it's amazing. You know, we 
the first project that we had on the Cone Estate was the lawn balustrade in front of the house, which is literally just sort of a fence that runs along the front of the house. So it's amazing to think that we had that first very small piece, and now we have restored the entire exterior of the house, and we do hope to continue to work on the house. We've we've put over $3 million into it at this point, and we've certainly impacted other major portions of the landscape. We have put in a tremendous amount of effort to make it a better experience for the 250,000 plus visitors that visit the Kona State each year. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I believe the parkway um, stretches 469 miles from the southern uh, end of Shenandoah National Park in Virginia all the way down to uh, Great Smoky Mountains um, National Park at Asheville. Is that correct? Asheville, North Carolina? You are exactly right. It's 469 miles. We go through 29 counties and two states. So it's a huge park. It'll be a never-ending list of projects that we can take on. So while we've been in business for 25 years, I feel like we'll be in business for eternity because there'll always be something that we can work on thanks to the size of our park. And that that's, a, that's, that's the good news, bad news kind of situation because as I mentioned in the introduction, it seems that um, national parks are leaning more and more on friends organizations to help make ends meet. And, um, you know, you've done the, the Cone Manor. I don't know if that's something that Congress should have funded because it is inside the Blue Ridge Parkway and it's a property of the National Park Service. Um, another big endeavor that um, the foundation took on recently was the rehabilitation and reopening of the Bluffs Restaurant after it was you know, closed up for a decade. That was no small endeavor. It was not, and that was to the tune of about a million dollars. So I always joke with uh, visitors to the restaurant that we spent about a million dollars to make it look exactly like it did. So <laughs> for that- Without one, the mold and mildew. <laughs> right. For that one, we did receive some federal support in the form of funding from the Appalachian Regional Commission. And we also received support from the state of North Carolina from our, our government here in the state of North Carolina. They helped us replace the roof on the building, which was one reason why we did have the issues with water in the building. So um, one reason why we did the Bluffs restaurant was not only because the Park Service would like for us to take on that project, but because the community wanted us to. We're not only a partner to the Park Service, but we're a partner to the communities that surround the parkway. Right, right. And, uh, you know, I can tell you from um, operating the Traveler for, gosh, we're, we're into our 18th year now, um, there's a lot of interest out there for the Bluffs restaurant. And I know when it was closed, you know, from time to time, we would get emails or, or comments saying, When's, when is the Bluffs restaurant going to open? Is it going to reopen? Um, a very popular place, um, goes back generations, lot, lots of memories were created there. Oh, tremendous memories. And I tell people all the time, we work with a magnificent park that has absolutely breathtaking views. You know, it's uh, it features some of the most biodiverse landscape in the world. But Bluffs Restaurant, Bluffs Lodge is the only part of our park that I have people burst into tears about. Really? And that's amazing to me. <laughs> they don't burst into tears with me about, you know, an overlook. They burst into tears about their memories and the time spent at the Bluffs Lodge and their time spent at the Bluffs Restaurant. So it's really tied up in their their memories and their time spent with family at this special national park. 
No, absolutely. What about the Bluffs Lodge? I know there's a lot of comments also over the years about is that facility ever going to reopen? I mean, lodging options along the parkway are, are few and far between. And um, like the restaurant, the Bluffs Lodge um, held a lot of memories. And it just seems like it's in a, a steady state of decline, deterioration. And, and maybe maybe it's to the point of no return in terms of the, the mold that is taking over. Um, what can you tell us about that? It is tremendously um, sad, the, the condition that it's in at this point. Um, it's it's truly a, a, a sad situation. We do have a responsibility to our donors to, to use their funds wisely. We recognize that, that people have a lot of emotions tied up in that building, and we could easily remodel it and turn it back into a facility for lodging. Is that the wisest use of our donors' funds? you know, to turn it into something for sentimental reasons. So you also have to look at it in terms of a business. Is it the correct, in this day and time, in 2022, with that number of rooms? So we have a lot of different uh, experts that we're working with and that the Park Service is working with because it is their decision in the end. It's We don't hold the lease on that building. So it's a National Park Service facility at this point. So we are bringing in experts to decide, help make this decision. Is this feasible? Is this a feasible business model at this point? It was for decades, a wonderful facility. So it has to be, there's a lot of hard decisions and hard choices that have to be made, but we certainly are holding out hope that we can continue to use that facility as it was for generations, because we know that there's enough energy, there's enough funding out there to continue to use it in that way. But we have to work with the Park Service and we have to go with what the experts say. Sure, but you know, sometimes experts spend too much time looking at the bottom line. Um, <laughs> correct me, I think there's 12 rooms at the, the Bluffs Lodge? No, there's more than that. Um, is there? there is more than that. I, I'm, I'm sorry that I can't tell you the exact number off the top of my head, but I know it's more than 12. There's, you know, there's other issues in terms of air conditioning and cable and so on. And of course they have mold issues there. You know, there there would there would be major issues to making it inhabitable again. Sure, sure. No, I, I don't I don't disagree with that. Um and and you know, I know it's not a hundred rooms. And you think about the experience on the Blue Ridge Parkway and you you have four hundred and sixty nine miles and you you shouldn't try and cover those 469 miles as fast as possible. And if there are lodging set, you know, a reasonable day's drive, so to speak, you know, and not going 60 miles an hour, or 55 miles an hour, but spending your time enjoying the parkway and ending up at a, at a lodge, you know, maybe I'm just getting too old, but, um, you know, going to a lodge that has a, a small number of rooms is I think more enjoyable and with the parkway more in keeping with the, the tradition of the parkway and, and more enjoyable than going to a place that has 300 rooms. Oh, sure. No, I personally totally agree with you. And I, uh, I have had folks tell me that they, they remember times they were there and they, they heard other guests that were checking in that would say, what do you mean you don't have cable or you don't have this, that, or the other. And, um, I require room service or or whichever. And that's the wonderful thing about the Bluffs Lodge is that it, it wasn't about those types of amenities. It was about the view. It was about 
you know, the fact you could go out and see Wildcat Rock Overlook, or you could have these hikes accessible to you, or you could go across the street and have pancakes. So <laughs> I do hope we can recreate those experiences for people, but there are a lot of decisions left to be made. Sure, sure. You know, I, I'll, I'll point to one other place before we move on. Um, Lake McDonald Lodge in Glacier National Park. Um, I don't know exactly how many rooms they have there, but it's it's not hundreds and hundreds of rooms. And at the end of the day, all the day visitors disappear. And because there's just a set number of rooms at the lodge, it's almost like a, your own private national park because it's very laid back and relaxed. And boy, that type of experience, I think, is is something to really cherish when you explore the national park system rather than when you go to Yellowstone. I hate to say it because Yellowstone is one of my favorite parks, but, you know, when you watch Old Faithful go off with, you know, several thousand of your best friends shoulder to shoulder, it's um, uh, certainly a different type of national park experience than, than a smaller, more personal setting. Oh, no, I'm with you for sure. And I, I do know um, Pisgah Inn on the Blue Ridge Parkway has really set a wonderful standard and we we would really love to do something with the Bluffs Lodge, and we'll follow the park's lead there, and we will continue to work with the local community. And we've got we do have folks calling and writing every day about the Bluffs Lodge, and I nice. I have a lot of, a great appreciation for national park lodges for sure. We're talking today with Jordan Calloway, the Chief Development Officer for the Blue Ridge Parkway Foundation, about the past 25 years and the good work that the foundation has done for the Blue Ridge Parkway. We're going to take a short break and we'll be right back. Listener and reader support make National Parks Traveler possible every day of the year. If you enjoy the Traveler's content, please consider a donation via nationalparkstraveler.org. Washington State is graced with three spectacular national parks, each different and special in their own unique ways. As the official nonprofit partner and the only philanthropic organization dedicated exclusively to supporting these parks through charitable contributions, Washington's National Park Fund has a mission to raise private support to deepen everyone's love for, understanding of, and experiences in Mount Rainier, North Cascades, and Olympic National Parks. Share your passion for these parks at WNPF.org. Whether it be strategy, business planning, change management, board development, executive search, or diversity planning, Potrero Group is here to help. They mix a depth of experience in the parks and land space with a breadth of best practices from other industries. For more information or to schedule a preliminary conversation, go to PotreroGroup.com. P-O-T-R-E-R-O Group. Acadia National Park is one of the 10 most popular national parks in the United States. It's also one of the smallest and most vulnerable. That's why Friends of Acadia exists. Friends of Acadia is an independent organization of passionate people inspiring those who love this magnificent park to make a real and lasting difference for Acadia. You can make a difference at friendsofacadia.org. Okay, we're back with Jordan Calloway um, from the Blue Ridge Parkway Foundation. You know, another um, project that the foundation has kicked off is the um, the Kids in the Parks program. That's that's really taken off. Kids in Parks has done amazingly well. And that, of course, began on the parkway. And that is a program that we have taken nationally. Um, we also have it on the grounds of the White House. So we have Kids in Parks track trails, which is what we refer to our trails as 
all over the United States. And we have made a concerted effort to expand in particular in the state of South Carolina. Um, I am physically located in North Carolina and we have been working to have track trails in all of the 100 counties in North Carolina. So we've had a major expansion here in our state and we are working now to expand in South Carolina, but we are, an, it is a national program. Yeah, no, it's really taken off. And, you know, I think the role it serves is incredible because, you know, across the, the country, it seems that more and more schools, elementary schools, and even high schools, because of the demands placed on them and the, the, the costs, are doing away with PE programs, physical education programs. And to have a, a program like Kids in the Parks and the Track Trails to get youth out into the parks, I mean, not only is it an incredible educational experience, but it, it introduces them to, to nature that something can be a, a lifelong passion. We are trying to... Uh get kids outdoors, get them to appreciate nature, get them to become stewards of the land. We want children to appreciate that they have to care for our, our natural world. So we're not only getting them to get outside and be active, but we're also through the different activity packets that we put out, teaching them about birds, trees. Uh, for example, we have a brochure about lichen. So they really can learn about anything and everything it just depends on their curiosity. So our kids and parks program, the sky's the limit for sure for that program. That's great. That That is really a great program. I didn't know that there was a track trail at the White House. There is. We we actually got an award for it. So there, um, we have programs, uh, kids and park trails. I'll have to, we'll have to check the number of states. That's the wonderful thing is that um, we can expand so many different places and get kids outside. And so you can you can visit our, our Kids and Parks website and see all the trails. And then you can also not only visit our trails that are in county, state, and national parks, but you can also utilize our materials in your own backyard. So the materials that we've produced are teaching you to appreciate nature in your own neighborhood and in the woods and behind your uh, development so you can appreciate the outdoors. So, Jordan, I have to tell you, um, I'm playing at the fiddle. I haven't mastered it yet. I'm not close to mastering it yet, but it's it's an enjoyable pastime when I walk away from my computer that it, it totally gives me something else to, to focus on and enjoy. And I bring that up because of the, the role the foundation has played at the Blue Ridge Music Center. I mean, talk about um, reviving or, or keeping alive mountain music. What a great program. This is an amazing program. So the Blue Ridge Music Center is one of two facilities, two national park facilities dedicated to the preservation of music. And so we're very excited to be a part of this. We It's going on uh, 10 years now that we've taken over the programs at the Blue Ridge Music Center. And it features music every day, free and open to the public, every day that the facility is open, which is uh, the park season depending on whatever the park decides each year, but it usually runs like April or May uh, until the end of October, usually around then. So that facility, noon to four, there is music available for free. And so we have people, that, so we have some people that come every day to hear the musicians. And we have some really amazing musicians that come and perform for free for the public. And it's mm -hmm. a wonderful public service. And we have people of all ages, people of all backgrounds, 
that come and they're exposed for the first time to old time traditional bluegrass music. And what we're trying to do is preserve this for future generations. And it's a wonderful opportunity for people to learn about this type of music and to continue on for future generations. We also have ticketed concerts throughout our season, our concert season, which is basically the summer. And those are on Saturday nights. And we have some amazing artists that we've had um, over the last several years, people like Allison Krause, Ricky Skaggs, Steve Canyon Rangers, Steel Wheels. We have some great folks that have come through. Well, I'll just keep working on my fiddle and maybe you can have me come out. <laughs> we would love to have you come. We actually had Senator Tim Kaine pop really? by recently, Senator from the state of Virginia, the Commonwealth of Virginia. He plays the harmonica and he loves bluegrass and he was a fan of the music center and he's a fan of the parkway. And he popped by and he jammed with our midday mountain musicians, which is what we call the folks that play from noon to four. Very nice. A few months ago. Very nice. I think it was last year. Um, my my co-host uh, Lynn Riddick um, did a show, did a podcast on the Blue Ridge uh, Music Center, and talked to the director and um, was able to to insert some music. Um, just a great a great resource and a great experience because there's there's nothing. Um, Nothing like it, and and being able to sit back and enjoy the music in, in that beautiful setting, it, it really is a big plus for for the national park, the parkway there. Oh, it's beautiful. So you sit back and you gaze and you look at Fisher Peak. That's the mountain that you can see. So for those that haven't been there, uh, the Blue Ridge Music Center is an outdoor amphitheater. So whenever people call and they buy tickets, they're like, "I want to buy my seat." You're 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 literally buying a spot on a hillside. So you spread out your blanket or you you pop up your camp chair and you're on a hillside and you're looking at this beautiful mountain peak. And for me, it's particularly wonderful because I happen to know that my husband's great grandparents lived at the base of Fisher Peak. So when I sit there and, you know, and enjoying this wonderful concert, I'm thinking of his family living. Nice. Very nice. So have the, the Foggy Mountain Boys played there? The Foggy Mountain Boys, not to my knowledge, they have not, but we have, of course, had Allison Krauss, but not to my knowledge. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that'd be a great, great concert. It would be. Um, a lot of people, when you talk about the Blue Ridge Parkway, um, there's a very iconic setting there that comes to mind, and it's probably one of the most photographed spots on the parkway, and that's uh, the Maybury Mill. Mabry Mill is wonderful. It is such a beautiful spot, particularly in the fall. I think people would argue any time of year, but particularly in the fall. Um, the mill, of course, in terms of the setting, the water, it's always an issue, uh, the operation there. So we have done all we can to try to support the efforts to keep that running. We did rebuild the flume there. Our donors funded that. And we have provided funding to keep the big wheel turning, as we say. And um, we have also, uh, over this last season, we provided funding and support to put on concerts there on Sundays. And we would like to do future programming there because it's such a popular spot, uh, maybe yeah. because there's also a restaurant there. So it's just a great spot, beautiful spot on the parkway. Yeah. And such, um, you know, gazing into yesteryear, so to speak, with that, that grist mill and the the wheel moving. And, and yeah, as you mentioned, the, the foundation has uh, written a lot of checks to make sure that that can continue to function and, and be kept in operational condition. 
We have, but we're one of many. You know, there's there's a lot of other partners that are involved with keeping Mabry Mill going. There's volunteers that that present there, that demonstrate there. There's the partner that runs the shop there. You know, it takes a lot of people to keep the Blue Ridge Parkway going. So while I'm here to toot our horn today, there's a lot of people. That, it's a big park. There's a lot of people involved. Really, really. Um, 469 miles, a lot of places. We're talking today with Jordan Calloway, the Chief Development Officer of the Blue Ridge Parkway Foundation. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. The Grand Teton National Park Foundation is a private, nonprofit organization that supports projects that protect and enhance Grand Teton National Park's cultural, historic, and natural resources. By funding initiatives that go beyond what the National Park Service could accomplish on its own, Foundation donors improve the visitor experience and provide benefits to the National Park System for decades to come. You can see their successes at gtnpf.org. The Yosemite Conservancy helps visitors connect with Yosemite through adventures, volunteering, and the arts. It's the only nonprofit dedicated to supporting Yosemite National Park and funds grants to improve trails, restore habitat, protect wildlife, and inspire the next generation of nature lovers. Learn more at yosemite.org. The Blue Ridge Parkway Foundation is the primary nonprofit fundraising partner for the Blue Ridge Parkway. It is made up of people who have a deep love for this majestic road and want to ensure that its natural beauty and the experiences it offers endure for generations to come. Show your appreciation at brpfoundation.org. We're talking today with Jordan Calloway, the Chief Development Officer for the Blue Ridge Parkway Foundation, one of the, the friends groups across the national park system that uh, really uh, works hard to raise uh, philanthropic dollars to help the parks get by. And um, is it safe to say, Jordan, that over the years there's been a, a change in uh, direction or in philosophy and in, in what the foundation will agree to do or, or won't agree to do? I know I know some, some foundations um, don't like to get into the, the bones and muscle work, so to speak, of, of national parks, and and some some will do it will do it once, but we're not going don't don't expect us to do this every year. I can't say um, definitively, but I know that we have a, a very active and engaged board, and you know we're managed by a board of trustees. We're a nonprofit, and they they certainly um, are not interested in just writing checks. So they, they are interested in advocating for our our donors and our funders and what they would like to fund. And so um, we owe that to the folks that have committed millions of dollars to the projects that, that we're funding. So we we don't we don't just write checks. Um, we do ask a lot of questions and we do ask for reporting on the projects that we fund. So we don't just write a check for a project. We do ask for the results also. Mm -hmm. So that that's another um, another aspect maybe of this question is we're, we're not just providing the funding, but we want to see how this money was used. So. Right, right. So do you sit down with uh, the park staff, with the superintendent, uh, say in January at the start of the calendar year or in, in October, the start of the, the fiscal year and say, what do you need? What would you like us to do? 
We do. We do. And we have a great working relationship. Um, there, there are some really wonderful people that are managing our park. So we have a wonderful working relationship with them. So we, we do communicate with them on a regular basis. We have regular meetings with them. We certainly work with folks that are um, sort of the, the primary uh, members of their staff, but we also communicate with you know, different maintenance heads or different interpretive staff members. So we may hear from them throughout the year about, oh, this sign's missing or or there's an issue here at this part of the parkway. Um, and so we can we can bring that up and and raise those questions with the uh, the higher administrative staff. But we have a great relationship with them and we do work well with them. Um, and we do have a series of priorities that we ask that the projects address so we can properly fund projects. Right. And and like I said, over the years, you guys have, have done so much for the parkway. I mean, you know, most recently or, or, or recently, you know, construction of restrooms and boardwalks and, and the parking area at Graveyard Fields. You've done, um, you know, trail repairs at Price Lake and Rough Ridge and Craggy Bald. One thing, um, along with the trails, and, and I think people may not appreciate it until they get out on the trails is that, you know, millions of feet take a toll on trails in terms of uh, erosion and, and whatnot. And um, people, unfortunately, make their own social trails. But but one thing that um, when I was in college, I thought I wanted to be a wildlife biologist. And unfortunately, chemistry wasn't my forte. So I became a writer instead, a journalist. But the foundation has funded a lot of wildlife studies on the parkway. We have. We have funded a lot of wildlife studies. And this is one of those chicken and egg things where in order to accomplish some of our other projects, we need to fund those studies. Um, For example, we're hoping to fund a bat study in the coming year for the Blue Ridge Parkway for the scientists that work with the Blue Ridge Parkway. And it's a multifold reason why we would like to fund this study. One reason is because the bat population on earth is uh, deca- declining dramatically. I'm not sure if you work with other national parks that work with bats. Yeah, it's, it's a big, uh, big concern. The white it's nose a major syndrome issue, white nose across. syndrome. And, uh, and there's apparently multiple reasons why, but we have bats that roost in trees, uh, potentially at our overlooks. We would like to have our overlooks cleared for our visitors to enjoy, but we don't want to roost. We don't want to clear the trees where our bats are roosting, et cetera. So, you know, it's like a chicken and egg thing where we would like to know where the bats are. So we have to survey and study where the bats are, but we're also wanting to survey the bats because we need to understand how many bats are on the Blue Ridge Parkway at this time. We know there's 16 different species along the parkway. Half of them are susceptible to this white nose syndrome. So there's multiple reasons why we would like to fund this study at this time, but we have funded several different wildlife studies. We've also funded um, wildlife cameras, which mainly volunteers manage those. Um, It's overseen by parkway scientists, but volunteers are the ones that go out and check the cameras. And that's a way for them to see, hey, what kind of animals are on the parkway um, and sort of track the animal populations that are along the parkway in spots that we can't necessarily get to. And so that's been a really wonderful program for us to be a part of. And it's been something our donors have been very excited about. Yeah, I think one of the concerns also at the parkway is uh, feral hogs coming up from Great Smoky Mountains. And and maybe they're already in the, the parkway. 
it's amazing the hog history with the parkway. I was at Humpback Rocks a few weeks ago, and we were looking at the stone walls up around Humpback Rocks, and they were saying that was part of the reason why they had those stone walls was for controlling the hogs. They used to drive the hogs up into the mountains. Really? So, um, but those those were domestic hogs, right? They were, they were at that time, but who knew? So yes, there there's all kinds of wildlife and domestic animals that have ended up in our mountains and those wildlife cameras help track some of those, but we certainly are all for funding those whenever we have those opportunities to fund wildlife studies. Yeah. yeah. What about uh, climate change? Any, any climate change work that the foundation's involved in? I mean, it's such a, a dynamic um, out there in terms of um, flora and fauna. And, you know, there's a lot of talks about we need these these migratory pathways because of climate change. And, and certainly you go from the Great Smoky Mountains up through the Blue Ridge Parkway into Shenandoah National Park. Um, what can you tell me about climate change on the parkway? It seems formidable. You know, it seems like how can we impact that? But we we certainly do try to see in any project that we're funding how um, there would be a positive environmental impact of what we're doing. Um, this isn't necessarily... Uh, as climate change based, but we are trying to see all that we can do to help um, initiate uh, EV chargers along or near the Blue Ridge Parkway. So that's something that we're we're trying to initiate. So, and you could also make the case that traveling on the Blue Ridge Parkway in some ways could be seen as environmentally friendly because we're not having people jump on planes and fly across to our Western <laughs> National Parks. So that might be a, a bit of a stretch, but we're certainly, um, always open to trying to fund uh, projects that would help slow climate change for sure. Yeah. And I, I'm wondering about projects that um, monitor changes coming to the parkways vegetation. Um, is it too soon to talk about that or? Well, we have, um, we have funded uh, in the past in terms of interns that would work like say with plant studies we funded interns for that, and we have funded um, like seed collection and so on. So it may seem small, but hopefully it would have a larger impact further down the line. And there are um, some cross park projects. So we have some projects that the Blue Ridge Parkway works on with the Great Smoky Mountains mm -hmm. and with other parks. And so working together, we can hopefully initiate larger change. For example, that bat study is something that's the Smokies and the Blue Ridge Parkway. Yeah. Because we, we certainly overlap. And then we also have projects that we work on with other land management um, agencies, such as the Forest Service. What's your next big project? I mean, you've you've restored the the Bluffs restaurant, and uh, you've taken care of the exterior of the Flattop Manor. Um, looking for another project, or do you have something on the the drawing board already? I would love another big, tangible project like those. We are trying to sort of take a step back and look some at some do some strategic planning. We're doing some strategic planning for the Blue Ridge Music Center because it is such a amazing jewel on the Blue Ridge Parkway and look at what we can do to make it a better experience for visitors in terms of the parking and um, how we can make the facility and the programming better for visitors and work with the park on that. We're also trying to help the park fund some different assessments and planning just 
just big picture. Um, but before we have a better idea on some of these other historic structures, we really can't move much further on those at this time. Yeah, yeah. Well, Jordan, it's been a pleasure catching up with you today and learning about the great work the foundation, not only over the past 25 years, but but more recently that uh, people can, can see and enjoy. And um, really looking forward to your next big project. I'm looking forward to it as well. Thank you so much, Kurt. I appreciate this opportunity. That's our show for this week. I hope you enjoyed it. We're halfway through our year-end fundraising campaign, and if you haven't donated yet, I hope you'll consider supporting The Traveler. We are the only news organization that focuses our daily coverage on national parks and protected areas. Reader and listener support power that reporting, and without it, The Traveler wouldn't exist. You can find a donate button on The Traveler website at the upper right-hand corner, or send a check to Post Office Box 980-452, Park City, Utah. 84098. Thanks in advance for your support. For The Traveler, this is Kurt Repencheck. See you in the parks. The composers and musicians at Orange Tree Productions have created a unique collection known as the National Park Series that has grown to include more than 30 CD titles. Composed against the backdrop of a park's sounds of nature, these musical scores will connect you with these beautiful places and take you there, at least in your mind. This collection is the number one selling National Park Audio series in the world and provides the background music for National Park's Travelers podcasts. Visit them at orangetreeproductions.com. Editing and production work for the National Park's Traveler podcast is done by Splitbeard Productions. You can learn more about us at splitbeardproductions.com. National Parks Traveler is a 501c3 nonprofit media organization that provides daily editorial coverage of national parks and protected areas. Traveler's coverage is made possible by reader and listener donations. Visit us at nationalparkstraveler.org.